This is Geek Gab with your hosts, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, July 1st, 2017, episode 105. We have three, three movie reviews today, two of which are the third sequel in their series, and one of which is brand, brand new by famed director Edgar Wright, who also made Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The End of the World, and uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. We're going to do that particular review last. And before we do any reviews, I want to give my co-hosts a chance to tell you, our millions of screaming fans, to tell you hello. Hello. I'm uh, looking forward to this episode. I'm feeling a little under the weather today, uh, but uh, this has been a good week. We had a nice chat with Bradford C. Walker on Game Night. Uh, if those of you who haven't uh, listened to that, should go give it a listen. And uh, so I'm looking forward to just sitting back and, and listening. Uh, Brian, I hear you've got some good news for us. Yeah, I do. And um, it's Partially the reason why I unfortunately missed that episode with with Bradford. Probably sees in the, the chat. Hey man, I'll catch the show later. But I've been busy uh, gearing up for and today overseeing a book launch. So my new book is out. Hey, congrats. Yeah, thanks. It's called The Hymn of the Pearl. It's my first, uh, well, it's a lot of firsts. So those of you who might be more familiar with that, I work on the Soul Cycle or even my short fiction through a Superversive Press and Sci-Fi Journal. Um, you know, this is a bit of a departure for me because, one, it's a novella. It's the first novella I've written. Tops out about 40,000 words. Um, two, it's high fantasy. So I'm not really doing any of the normal genre-bending stuff that uh, you might be familiar with. Um, really, um, I mean, there's some horror elements. It's kind of a, a darker mood, but... Yeah, it's a fantasy. I designed a magic system for it that uh, I'm pretty proud of. And it's uh, actually set in sort of an alternate version of late Greek antiquity, which I'm told isn't very common. So, I no, thought and, yeah. I, I was going to say, I thought it was kind of interesting because um, I read a little excerpt of it. We got a teaser of it on. Um, on either Castelia House's or Vox Day's blog. And uh, and I thought, like, that setting sort of came through to me. I was like, this 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 smells like a fantasy story, but it's obviously got the Greek influence, um, which I, I did think was strange in a great way. I could put that, uh, well, well said, strange in a great way. That's what I was going for. Excellent. So, well, uh, when does it launch? Right now, it is available right now on Amazon. Um, and if they want a teaser, they can go to your blog. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's the Castile House blog that also has um, at least the product description. But uh, the current post that's up on Kairos has a link to where, like last week, I posted the prologue of the book. And uh, yeah, the response to that has been overwhelmingly positive, like uh, more than I thought. Because uh, the, the impetus for this book was a, a good friend and um, 
aspiring author, really a guy, a guy who knows more about the business and craft of writing than I do. He just hasn't had the time to finish his book yet. But uh, he challenged me, you know, hey, you've you've written the Soul Cycle, you've you've done this kind of science fantasy space opera horror thing. I want to see what you can do starting from scratch. And so I took that challenge, and uh, him of the pearl is what resulted. I'm pretty happy with it. Excellent. Well, folks, uh, go ahead and check out the link in the description below for uh, Brian's blog, brianneemeyer.com, and then uh, head on over to Amazon and uh, pick up a copy of his brand new – and wait, is it a novella? Is it a novelette? It's a, it's a novella. It's like um, – it's almost exactly 40,000 words. And I actually have one more announcement, one more little enticement for you, because uh, if you've been following my books, you know that I have a preview – of another book at the end of every single book, a preview of uh, an upcoming book. And this one's no exception because I've been given permission by Castelli House to include an exclusive preview of Faraway Wars, book one, Embers of Empire, coming soon for me and Castelli House. And you'll find it in the back of every copy of Him of the Pearl. All right. Well, check it out, folks. Um, oddly enough, the three movies that I uh, am reviewing today, not a single one of them is, as far as I can tell, heavily influenced by antiquity cultures, any of them. Not the Greeks, not the Romans, not, uh, you know, ancient India, ancient China, Egypt, Babylon. Acadia, none of them. So that's a missed we're opportunity. Get... We're gonna have to we're gonna have to work on a theme theme show next time Brian releases a new book. Mm, um, I do have a few comments though before I talk about the movies because before the movies they show previews, and uh, the previews they showed. Were, were awful. I want to talk about two of them that were specifically really terribly awful. Obviously, the Emoji movie. It's a Sony movie, so it was awful. Um, terrible idea. It looks like it's going to be bad. There is also an animated movie of the Ferdinand the Bull novel, or the Ferdinand the Bull children's book uh, about a uh, big bull who protects people and stuff. Coming out in December... And uh, Ferdinand the Bull is being voiced by John Cena, the wrestler. I'm nonplussed. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about that, except I wasn't really interested before I found out John Cena was in it and knowing that John Cena in it, it is in it doesn't increase my desire to see the movie anymore. It has not enhanced my interest in perusing this uh, animated movie. Also, they had a, uh, a preview for a Disney animated short. Apparently, Disney is putting out trailers now for animated shorts it's called olaf's frozen adventure and it's a sequel to the frozen movie 
like seven, eight minutes long, typically the shorts are. And uh, it's coming out in December. And so not only are they giving you trailers for shorts that are coming out, they're giving you six months of notice that they may with flawless skill build up in their audience an unanticipated sense of anticipation for this no doubt groundbreaking and award-winning short that's all about the little snowman, the animated living snowman from the Frozen movie. Can you feel the adventure? Can you feel the excitement? And, and don't worry, by the way, both princesses make appearances in the movie. So you get to see Anna and Elsa as well for probably as much as 20 or 30 seconds of screen time. No doubt you're sitting on the edges of your seats, just as I am. I was concerned, and you have allayed my fears, sir. Bravo. Um, the other funny thing that happened to the trailer is there were... Okay, these are both animated movies, right? Despicable Me and Cars. They're aimed at kids. And so the theaters were full of uh, children. Doing their typical children things, although honestly, I got lucky because I didn't have any fights break out. No kids started squalling during the movie. It was very quiet during both my movies. I was very happy. Um, the funniest thing that happened, though, is they were doing trailer after trailer after trailer. And then even before the trailers, they have the pre-trailer show where they have people up there on screen talking about stuff and doing trivia quizzes and whatnot. And at one point, finally, this kid said... When is the movie going to start? And I'm not going to say the whole theater laughed, but the seven or eight adults sitting close to him who could hear it chuckled a bit and smiled because they felt the exact same way. They were tired of all the pre-movie stuff. They just wanted the movie to start. Um, so... That was quite a zinger. I'll hand yeah. And he was a little kid. It was like two or three. So it was cute. It wasn't obnoxious. It was cute. And the movie had not actually started yet. The funny thing was, is right after he said that, the movie started. Like literally. As soon as he got done, the movie started. So I don't know if the projectionist heard his plaintive request and decided to cut short the no doubt many interminable trailers that were already coming that were queued up and said, oh, that's so cute. I'm just going to start the movie right now. Or if it was just luck. It was just some kind of coincidence. I'm not sure which one of those it was, but the movie literally started right after the kid got done talking. I was impressed. I'm like, you know, damn it. If I knew that that's how it worked, I, I would go to my sisters and bring one of my nephews or nieces along with every movie I ever went to just so they could sit there in the theater. Well, maybe not every movie, probably not the you know ones that aren't appropriate for kids, but but every other movie, and uh, have them sit there and say really really loudly in the theater, "When is the movie gonna start?" Just so we could actually get things on track. Um, 
is that a plan? Do you think that's a solid plan? Do you think that'll work? Yeah. See, so I sense perhaps diminishing returns. That if you go back to the same theater again and again, and the same projectionist hears the child again and again, each successive time, they're going to be less and less likely to respond. Because sooner or later, you just get, you know you get used to it and you start turning the little kid out. So I think I might need to save that for like a couple of special instances. I don't want to waste it. I did, I'll have that backup plan. I have that plan, you know, ready to go if I really need it but not go to that well too often. Otherwise, it's just going to stop working. Is that a, I think that's more, more canny, more cunning than just trying to do it all the time. But in any case, after that, the movie itself, Despicable Me 3, started. Um, I... Uh, it's not going to be a long review of Despicable Me 3 because it's a Despicable Me movie. If you saw the first one, you saw the second one, and you liked them, you'll probably like this one. If you saw the previews and you thought, oh, that looks like a fun movie, you'll probably like the movie. There's not really anything outstanding about the movie, but there isn't anything terrible about the movie either. Uh, it works. The story works. The characters work. You know, it's getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, and, of course, the minions have too much screen time like they did in the second one, but you know, the story works. It's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. And I should say that I saw Despicable Me right after I saw Baby Driver. So uh, it was going up against some pretty stiff competition. Uh, I mean, like literally right after, like 10 minutes after Baby Driver, I had enough time to walk out of Baby Driver around the theater, get my ticket punched again, and then go back into Despicable Me. So that's it. I, I don't even have any notes on Despicable Me save for the notes about, you know, the preview and stuff and the little kid because it's it's not a bad movie. If you like the Despicable Me's, go see it. You'll like it. If you have children who like the Despicable Me's, go see it. They'll like it. And all the fart jokes are confined to one tiny little bit of animation before the movie there in the movie itself, which I found really, uh, really nice. <clears throat> I like that. Are you disappointed by my review? Do you require more details? I was hoping for more fart jokes myself. Eh. All right. The next movie I saw was Cars 3. Now, I should warn you, I haven't seen Cars 2 yet. I'm not really motivated to see Cars 2 yet because I heard it was awful. I mean, I heard it was just really bad, like the worst Pixar movie ever made, which admittedly would still make it better than most movies. But... I just haven't been really motivated to see it. It was all about Mater the car, played by Larry the Cable Guy, the stand-up comedian, and um, him doing races around the world and getting involved with an evil oil company and stuff. I, I just wasn't interested. So I can say that this movie, Cars 3, completely and utterly ignores whatever happened in Cars 2. They don't mention it. They don't mention Mater run, uh, racing around the world. It just, you know, just tells its own story. And it is, as is typical for the best Pixar movies, an excellently done movie. It's very, very well done. It's got a strong theme that runs through the movie. Um, 
again, if you've seen the trailers, you kind of know what the theme is going to be. And it's not a spoiler, really. There are new cars, cars with uh, better design on their streamlining, and also cars that are tuned by computers to be as much as 5% faster in critical areas, between 1% and 5% faster in critical areas, which means they can be an extra 10 to 12 miles per hour faster than Lightning McQueen on the raceway, which means they win. So Lightning McQueen, who has, ever since the first movie, and it is presumed by the movie that there's been a long period of time since the first movie, that Lightning McQueen has had a long and storied career. He is no longer a rookie. He is, in point of fact, the reigning champion and has a long career behind him. And he just is getting beat by these rookie cars and has a terrible crash. Again, that was in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. That's not a spoiler. And after that, has to find a way to deal with these cars, deal with these young guys passing him on the track, beating him. Um, and he kind of feels outmoded. He kind of seems outmoded. Kind of seems like he's uh, obsolete. So he has to deal with that situation. And how he deals with that... Um, really has strong echoes with things that happened in the first movie, and they draw a strong parallel between Lightning McQueen's situation and other car situations. I don't want to give too much away, but I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was very, very well done. Um, if you've seen the first Cars, then you will appreciate how this movie works hand-in-hand hand with the first Cars to tell a whole story. That's one of the things I thought was very well done about the three Toy Story movies. It's not just the three of them work on their own as individual movies, though they do. It's that the three of them put together actually make for a satisfying trilogy of the first movies about this young, young child. The second movie, he's a little bit over and the older. And the third movie, he's ready to go to college and he passes on his toys to a young girl who can enjoy them. I thought that was... Oh, sorry. Spoiler for Toy Story 3. Um, I thought that was a very satisfying from a story arc for all three movies put together when you consider them as one longer story. Um, and this movie, with the first one, makes one longer story. That's a, a, a satisfying arc. Um, there are insane uh, levels of computer graphics in this movie, just absolutely incredible uh, what what Pixar has done. Uh, nearly photorealistic on all the, you know, scenery and roads and, and the asphalt, grass, whatever. It's just absolutely phenomenal. So I very much enjoyed Cars 3. It makes a great sequel to Cars 1. Um, and uh, if you like Cars 1 or if you've got kids who like Cars 1, go see it. Go take your kids to see it. You you will not find that your money is wasted. I, on the other hand, did see Cars 2, and I'm here to tell you, Cars 2 is the Godfather 3 of Cars. Well, I'm glad that they ended the series on a high note then. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of cars and driving, it's time to talk about Baby Driver. Uh... And I've got many pages of notes on Baby Driver. I don't know if I'm going to get to them all because I don't know that it's important. 
but one way to find out i think baby driver is an impeccably done movie i think it's an incredibly done movie it is written by edgar wright it is directed by edgar wright and i think it is um it might be the best movie i've seen this year uh it's definitely the best movie i've seen since john wick 2 and even though it's a little bit different it's it might be better than john wick 2 but not as good as john wick 1. um oh that's that's on the line man that's it, my praise uh it's it's a really 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 well done movie um and i can tell you that's why i took notes so i can tell you why it's a well done movie the first scene and let me give you a little bit of background the character's name is baby uh, you find out um baby driver itself is the title of a song by simon and garfunkel and so the movie takes its name for uh, from that particular song oh they don't uh, they uh it's not a big point in the movie that particular song but music is baby driver baby himself always has an ipod on always has the white earbuds in because he listens to music all the time because his hearing got damaged when he was a young child and having music on controls the tinnitus i don't know if you've ever had tinnitus it is this ringing in your ears that happens because of hearing damage uh or other things that go wrong in your inner ear and it's very loud it's very piercing and it's very painful and they mention at one point in the movie that barbara streisand uh, in the real world, I assume, has this condition, and she controls it by listening to music all the time. So it's not made up for the movie. It's not a. It's not a conceit. He listens to music all the time, and it is therefore perfectly apt that the movie is named after a song. It's uh, the soundtrack, by the way. If I were to describe it is that it is a funky and unexpected soundtrack. There are a lot of things. If I told you you had a driving movie that was in large part an action movie, in large part a crime a heist movie, you there are a lot of songs that you would expect to be in there. You'd expect there to be a feral song. You'd expect there to be something done by any one of the pop princesses who are uh, hot right now. Uh, Ariana Grande or whomever, and none of those things happen. It is not a soundtrack assembled by people who want to make it seem like it's hip and young. It's a soundtrack assembled by someone who has wide and deep tastes in music, and so they use a bunch of songs that are unexpected and yet apt, and it makes for a great soundtrack it is not at all expected and it kind of keeps you off your uh 
you know, kind of keeps you off keel because you never know what song is going to be popping up next. They they start with some funk songs. Tequila shows up uh, in a little bit, which was in one of the trailers. And uh, they play some Queen at another point in time. And they play some, what do they call it, Egyptian reggae at another point. They're always mixing up the music that comes up in the in the movie and it's really really great it's lush it's layered under just about everything that happens in the movie and uh it makes uh it makes you connect with the humanity of baby it makes you like him a lot more in the very first scene he's sitting outside a bank while the three people he's a getaway car driver baby driver is a getaway car driver so he's sitting in his car outside the bank very first scene of the movie so i'm not spoiling anything and the three crooks he's driving go in rob the bank come out and get in the car while he's sitting there for the minute or two it takes them to rob the bank he's listening to music and he's dancing in his car and he's playing the drums on his wheel and he's doing all the things that i do when i listen to music in my car waiting for something um, it humanizes the character right out the gate. It makes him likable right out of the gate. And it makes you uh, connect with the fact that he's actually a good guy. He's not one of, and it contrasts sharply with the rudeness and cruelty and menace and viciousness of the criminals he's associating with. So it lays down right from the beginning this dichotomy between baby and the criminals, and then you find out eventually why he's associating with them, how he got drawn into this criminal underworld, and it makes them look all the worse as people in contrast with him, and it makes him look all the better, so you can empathize with him as a main character. If you didn't have that contrast between a really likable person, you might not appreciate who he is right from the start but by doing that one scene with the music you don't have to be told his backstory to like him you don't have to be told why he's in the situation you're told a lot about the character just in the very simple human things he does for just a you know seconds of screen time 20 30 seconds of screen time probably right after this they get in the car and he goes on this fabulous extended car chase it's just an amazing car chase so very well choreographed so very well carried out sony pictures is a steaming dumpster file just about every dumpster fire just about everything hmm. they've done for the last 10 years has been absolute garbage sony hasn't made a good picture with a couple of rare exceptions in 10 years except for this movie Somebody took Edgar Wright, somebody took his either his pitch or his script and said, we'll give him enough money to make the movie he wants to make, and then they let him make it. So somebody well, didn't novel, interfere. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Wow. No, what a novel idea. Let a director yeah. direct. So, and you can tell in this scene that he obviously had a big budget because they're doing, you know, very big shots, but it's not a budget that's wasted. 
It's not a budget that's padded with expensive things just because he could do it. Edgar Wright has a specific image of what he wants to put on screen, and he is meticulous in putting together shots that put what he puts what he wants on screen. He doesn't waste the money because he's just using it to make the exact movie he wants to make exactly the way he wants to make it. You can tell that he's controlling uh, every aspect of the frame. Uh, the car chase is fabulous. It is fantastic. And that also gets the movie off to a great start. So you can expect, by the way, that this reality is not quite the gritty reality of our world. It is deliberately heightened. Um, and I don't mean that in a big way, and I don't mean that in a vulgar way. When Baby Driver is uh, wandering through the city about to go get coffee, he's dancing, and a couple of things happen around him that are just too coincidental to expect to happen that fit in neatly with the music that he is listening to. So just understand that little things like that happen that add to the style of the movie, add to the feel of the movie, and uh, it's a little bit heightened reality. It's a little bit off from reality and expect that, accept that, that's the way the movie is supposed to be. I would say, if you wanna look back at a flashy stylistic crime movie, the very first Ocean's Eleven, the remake with Brad Pitt, um, used music and cuts and how the characters were dressed and how they acted to create a very uh, stylish movie. Um, they use that kind of Vegas sound. And that's the closest thing I can think of to this movie. Not the Fast and the Furious or the Fast and the Furious 7 or 8, which are action movies, um, but Ocean's Eleven, only not everybody in the movie is cool. Not everybody in the movie is flashy. In fact, the point of the stylistic touches, the point of the music, the point of having things flow the way it does, isn't to make people look cool. It isn't to draw out cool at all. Um, very much, Ocean's Eleven is a deep, deep study in cool, a deep, deep study in people who are cool, people who are used to doing what they're doing, and the movie is very cool. It makes you like the characters and admire them because they're so cool. This movie is a deep, deep study in a human being who has his own goals and drives and his story and how things happen to him. The story does not go into the expected places. It does not end in an expected way. Uh, and it's very, very... It's very, very, um, it's smooth. It eases you through the story. Even the jarring things that happen, and this really does take the turn for the darker at one point because it's a crime movie, and it's about a good guy involved with very bad people. So if you don't know enough about movies to see that at some point that equilibrium is going to be broached and things are going to go in a very different direction, then you should watch more crime 
movies and understand what happens between good people and bad people inevitably in a movie. But even after that, the movie doesn't go the direction you expect. And the characters make actions which are completely in keeping with who they are, but it's still surprising to me. It was still surprising to me. I assumed at the beginning that one person was going to go one way and they didn't. I assumed at the, you know, close to the uh, 66% mark, two thirds of the way through the movie, that the movie was going to go for one ending and it didn't. And then I was afraid it was going to go for a downer, depressing, um, a nihilistic ending. And when it didn't do that and it zagged again, I was just, uh, I was shocked and pleased that the movie does not have a nihilistic ending. It did not end the way I thought it would, but the way that it did end is even better and is not a way that we are expected, we would expect these kinds of movies to end. Once this movie's been out for a while, and once this movie, people have had a chance to see it, I really want to talk about um, how this movie ended, because I think the ending is worth mulling over uh, on our show. Uh, the, throughout the movie, Edgar Wright keeps on raising the stakes. Um, he, uh, he uh, keeps on pushing things a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. It's not what you call a slow burn, because the movie isn't slow. It's not... It's not boring, but he keeps on steadily ratcheting up the stakes and ratcheting up the tension until what happens is inevitable, until the break is just inevitable because there's too much at stake for the characters to act in ways other than what they do. One of the problems with modern, modern movies is that all the characters in there are plastic people. This movie is about real passion, real emotion, real people, and... Um, they, I don't know, I guess I'd been watching, uh, I watched The Walking Dead for a long time, and I finally, what I got from it is that there was a lot of emotion and conflict on the screen, but the characters never really felt like real people. They always felt like ciphers that were acting through the story, like little robots acting through the story. They didn't feel like real people to me. Um... And this movie does not do that. And that happens to so many other movies that I've watched, so many other TV shows that I've watched. These characters are not plastic people. There's real human emotion, real human stakes, and um, it's very, very uh, interesting, very, very involving, very, very entertaining. It has several different action scenes, but they're not played for action. It's not really an action movie. Um, it's a crime movie with, you know, uh, some chase scenes because it's a movie called Baby Driver. He's a getaway driver. There are going to be chase scenes. If you weren't expecting chase scenes, you're going to be bitterly disappointed because there are chase scenes. There is a final showdown that's very, very gripping. There is a shootout that is um, brutal and intense. And uh, everything that happens in the movie leads up to what happens at the end. And it's a very satisfying conclusion that I just didn't see coming. So the direction is impeccable. The performances are great. Um, the only people, there were three people I really 
knew from it, Kevin Spacey, of course, Lily James um, from BBC's Downton Abbey, who was in one season or one series of Downton Abbey, and then Joe Bernthal, who was in The Walking Dead, coincidentally, but also played the Punisher in season two of Netflix's and Marvel's Daredevil. So... I very much enjoyed the movie. What I kept on thinking the rest of the afternoon is I want to go back and see that again. And it's been a long time since I've come out of a movie thinking I want to go back and see that again. I mean, like, I, I need to go back and uh, see that again uh, as soon as I can arrange it. So That's that's the highest praise, in my opinion. I've yeah, got that's a, an endorsement. I mean, I, I've got a personal rule that I don't, I don't buy movies, right? Um, because I don't watch them more than once. But... There is one movie in the past few years that I've uh, actually purchased. Care to guess which one? John Wick or The Raid? <laughs> you are correct on both counts, sir. <laughs> um, that's all my notes. And that's really all I've got to say about the movie. I, I, You can take a bunch of the same ingredients and have one director turn in a workmanlike movie, have another director turn in an absolute garbage, and then have another director turn in something that is superb. And this movie is superb. I read an article last night where um, Guillermo del Toro uh, said that this is a perfect movie, that it was done and executed perfectly. I don't, I'm not a director. I don't know enough about directing to say that this is absolutely a perfect movie, but I do know it is, uh, uh, damn good and i it is a great movie oh also joe ham from mad men who played don draper was in it so i recognize him as well um i i would recommend you go see it that, well, that's honest my recommendation go see it in the movie theater as soon as you can manage it's a great movie thanks man uh, you got me pumped for it uh, well as pumped as i could be with this cold i nor <laughs> normally at this point like i'd come in with my own questions but uh but I don't want anything spoiled now. And also, normally, I'd come in with questions from the chat room, but it's been so busy today talking about military history. So <laughs> go figure. Never a dull moment. And so I got to come listen to the show live. There's, there's a whole other show you guys can't hear that's going on in the chat every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a totally different experience. Listeners put on their own show. They don't need us. Um, do you have any, uh, any questions, Brian? I, I got a second door and all here. Now I'm intrigued and I don't want to risk spoiling anything. So congrats on making it through all your notes. You weren't sure if you could. Well, I wasn't sure if they were going to be pertinent. <laughs> um, oh, wait, there was one note uh, I didn't talk to. And if it, it harkens back to the previews, that's uh, that. By the way, I'm done with my Baby Driver review. Go see it. It's a great movie. You ought to go see it. I, I'm kind of worried that the movie won't reach the audience that it deserves. So go see it. And if you love it, tell your friends about it because I this movie deserves to have um, deserves to have a lot of people watching it. It's it's that well done. Uh, the other preview I saw that I wanted to comment on was um, Flatliners, which is a remake of the Kiefer Sutherland vehicle from the 80s and they look like they've took a very intriguing very interesting movie with a unique spin 
and turned it into just another slasher flick. So I'm really, it, it, it's very, very disappointing. Um, yeah. I also saw the Jumanji trailer this week and I, I rolled my eyes so hard. I'm not even going to throw that up on my blog and do a post about it. it. Just looked terrible. Looked awful. Made me want to punch somebody. It was so bad in concept. Um, and then the Inhumans trailer came out this week and I just wasn't excited about that at all. Just did not care. Uh, Wait, what's going on with that? Uh, is it going to be a TV series, a movie? It is going to be a TV series on ABC, but they are debuting the first episode in IMAX in theaters. Hmm. They shot hmm. a TV series on IMAX, which you would think is insane, and maybe it would hmm. be, except that if you're planning on... <sighs> TV screens beyond 4K, which are possible, even, you know, likely, almost certain within the next 15 to 20 years, and you want to have shows that will look good on screens of obscenely high resolution, at some point there's going to be diminishing returns where the resolution of the screen is so high that the eye can't distinguish, where increasing the resolution won't do any good because your eye won't be good enough to distinguish um, you know, between say 10,000, 50,000 pixels, uh, your eye just can't tell the difference. I don't know what that number is, but at some point we're going to reach that. Until we do, though, shooting things on IMAX ensures that it will look good on 4K and may look good on whatever the successor to 4K is that they're pushing. Um, the biggest resolution I know of right now is an iMac that has a 5K monitor. And the reason why it has a 5K monitor is so that you can work on 4K video and still have room on your screen for toolbars uh, above and beneath it so you can do editing. It's intended to be used as an editing workstation for people who are putting together 4K movies. So... At some point, there will be bigger screens, and then at some point, we will no longer need screens with more dense, with uh, greater pixel density. Um, so that's I'm assuming that's why they're shooting this series in IMAX is so that they can, can they're hoping it will be a big hit and they can continue milking that cow for a long time in reruns and selling DVD sets or uh, you know ultra high resolution where they call 4k dvd sets and then whatever comes after so that they will be prepared to keep on milking this for a long time that's my guess all right well i'm done for today um before we go do you have any final words or thoughts john well thanks to everybody for listening barely listening and talking about military history um <laughs> I always love hearing you guys' opinions on new movies and stuff, so uh, I had a great time. Um, anything else, Brian? Yes. Um, I, I'm going to hit our listeners with a one-two punch of major announcements, book ending the show. So we already had the announcement for those who are late that my new novella, Him of the Pearl, is out right now, available on Amazon. You should go get that. But also, Dragon Awards season is right around the corner. And... The Secret Kings, Soul Cycle Book 3, sequel to the Dragon Award winning Soul Dancer, is eligible in the best science fiction novel category. Now, as some of you may know, the Dragons don't yet have a best editor category, but 
Um, I, I fully acknowledge that my awesome editor, L. Jadji Lamplighter Wright, is the one who makes my books as good as they are. She takes them all to that next level. So I publicly shared my Dragon Award win for Soul Dancer with her last year. If you nominate Secret Kings for the Best Science Fiction Dragon Award and it becomes a 2017 Dragon Award nominee, I will once again share the accolades with her and to help you, like, to, to make sure that uh, it becomes the most read book and people are making informed voting decisions, have actually read what they're voting for, Secret Kings is free right now through my newsletter. All you have to do is uh, click on the link there on my blog or we'll provide it. We can put it in the show notes. I just put in your email and I'll email you with a link to where you can download the book for free and your choice of PDF, Mobi, or EPUB. All right. Um, by the way, folks, we had two other stories, or two other shows from the Geek Gab Network went on this week. We had uh, the, what is it, the eighth episode, the ninth episode of Geek Gab on the books. Um, where, Nine. sorry? Nine, yeah, I'm wondering what you said. Uh, where author John C. Wright came and sat down and talked for about an hour with Brian. So uh, it's a great show. I have listened to it. Go give it a listen. Uh, that's available. Also, we had Geek Gab Game Night number four this week. So you should go give that a listen as well. And, of course, all of those come out in our podcast feed because in addition to being available on youtube.com slash geekgab, you can subscribe to this in podcast form through iTunes. Just do a search for geekgab. All of the shows on our network come out through that podcast feed. They also come out through a podcast feed available on the Google Play Store. So if you have an Android device, we have you covered, uh, assuming you have an Android device that can download the Google Play Store. And we're also available on Soundtrack if you don't. Excuse me, on SoundCloud, if you don't, so uh, you can go to SoundCloud and listen to any of our shows, or of course, the entire backlog of all of our shows from uh, the entire channel is available, or network, that's what they call it, network, I keep on using the wrong name, network, we're a podcasting network now, um, all the shows from our podcasting network are available on YouTube as well, and so you can go back through our back catalog and check that out. I uh, thank everybody in the chat uh, for keeping up with the military history theme. Um, <laughs> thank everybody for tuning in live. And uh, all of you who are listening to this later, we thank you as well. Feel free to subscribe to us on YouTube so you can receive announcements about when our shows have been scheduled and when they're going to start. And please remember that in order to get those announcements, you have to double secret subscribe. Click on the subscribe button and then click on the little bell icon and that will actually get you the notifications of when the show is going so you too can come here and listen live to the show and also participate in the very interesting and very informative chat that goes on during the live show. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We are leaving for this week. We're turning off the show, but don't worry, we will be back.